This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. <laughs> hey, Rubin. How you doing? You got your coffee? Oof, yes. Way too much coffee. I actually, I've made, um, I think, the strongest coffee I've ever made in my entire life. Don't you know this how morning. to make coffee? And... You know what? I do, but I will say you don't really have proper coffee equipment here and so i was making do with what i can i apologize i was foraging i don't really drink coffee no i'm kind of embarrassed to say that that's okay i, I you know and so the only reason there's even coffee here is people come over and they're like you don't have any coffee i'm leaving my coffee equipment here so you have coffee i, I appreciate that they've left their coffee um i, I, I definitely went very strong i don't really have sugar either no you had no sugar you had barely any milk i put honey and um Basically, I'm feeling like a loser. Twice, no, it's fine. Um, no, my not everyone drinks coffee. My husband doesn't drink coffee either. Good and for I him. Keep, not really. It's I kind of keep trying to teach him at least how to make coffee so he could make me coffee. Which I use chocolate so in its in that role. You eat chocolate, like hot chocolate. No, I just eat chocolate. <laughs> like that's that's how I start to start my day. It kind of gets me going. That's your caffeine. It is. That's my little. I would do both, but I definitely need coffee. Anyway, mm. this is. Crack cocaine of coffee. <laughs> I am so I'm so jittery. I've only had half the cup right now, and I'm okay. Relax. Vibrating. Let's just chill. <laughs> Do a little breathing. That's good. I'm trying. Um, oh, kind. Of, uh... We're talking about photos, actually. Well, um, I was curious if you had favorite photos, and I was, and you were looking at the pictures on my wall, and yeah, um, I. I do have favorite photos, but I was looking at one of them. There's a picture on the wall. It's it's at Neomodern right now called Mudan. Mm -hmm. And it's very famous. It's probably one of the most reproduced photographs in history, at least in the top couple, you know. And it's you by a photographer it? named Cortege. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, it, it's, uh, it's a vertical shot. There's a train going over a train bridge. Uh, it's shot right after World War II in mm -hmm. France. So there's destruction and, you know, devastation in the mm -hmm. image. And there's a guy, kind of a big guy walking out of a <clears throat> walking out of a bar, I guess, and he's holding a mysterious package. Okay. And like I said, it's it's very famous and really launched Cortez's career, I guess. Why was it so impactful at the time? Like what is the, you know, I don't know, the, the, the context of that? It was, he was really catching this moment in time. It's like he's an early modernist mm -hmm. and light and time stopping time and the the amazing coincidence apparently of like this guy this mysterious subject in the foreground and then this train crossing on the train bridge yeah. i i think the, the train i'm not an art historian mm -hmm. but i'm pretty sure that it's something about that train that made that picture what it is and I got to say it took a little bit away from it for me he's not duano but he was, uh, from what I've read, he was at that spot like maybe the day before, or a couple of days before, and noticed the train going over. And I think he returned, and that I believe is a friend of his. Oh, so he's done. So it. that changes. The, so the context changes a little bit. Mm -hmm. But regardless of all of that, it's a very famous photograph. It's it's a cool thing to have in our collection. But I don't really like it that much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, so so I have a line. There's there's pictures that are. 
historically important mm-hmm. and uh, and interesting because of that. But then there's the pictures that I just love because I love the image. Right. And what I what I hope for for people who are getting into photography is that their photographs are things that they love, like they're, they're something they love and it lives outside of the context. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of my pushback against conceptual photography. If someone has to explain it to you, <laughs> it takes it away from me. It doesn't mean that it's not better when you get that explanation or right. that it isn't another fun thing to do to come up with some interesting topic to explore visually. But if you have to be told that, it changes it. And I really... I feel like if you're walking around with your smartphone, you need to learn how to at least take pictures that you love and that they can live outside of context. Yeah, well, I think it's important. I mean, whatever whatever you're going to hang on your walls, I think you should love it. Oh, whether that... you love the the story behind it or you love the actual image, I think mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I have this conversation with just different friends if we go to you know MoMA or we go to a museum and looking at pieces. Uh, I know a lot of people kind of pick on like Jackson Pollock or something where it's I, like, yeah. I could do that. Why is that important? Like my three-year-old <laughs> could do that or, um, and that that's kind of not the point. The point is the context of when that was done and how radical that was. And the idea that the the painting of that, not only was he laying, the, laying it on the ground, but he was, you know, it was kind of a performance element of him kind of over the canvas and there's cigarette butts and there's mm. all these things that were part of his, you know, him as a person uh-huh. that go into what that piece is. And so at the time, it was really radical. And now, of course, it's been reproduced a million times, and it's not as as groundbreaking. I can't believe that's famous art. I can't believe that that's that expensive. And so right. you have to be able to understand, I mean, to, to, to go and see some of these, um, these contemporary art pieces, and they are Maybe they don't make sense when you're seeing them. They're too abstract. But it's if you bring like the a story, blue can- a blue canvas. Yeah. For example, like Yves Klein, okay. and so Yves Klein, and so he also did a lot of work where he actually created, you know, international Klein blue, and so IKB was his color, and it was so vibrant, and the way that he made the pigments. Um, Actually, this is a total side note. It's not about photography at all, I but I find it fascinating. So he actually had done a uh, an an art opening exhibition. And it was like he painted the entire gallery white. I don't even remember if there were actual pieces on the walls, but he served a cocktail that um, turned everyone's urine blue. So that, they, <laughs> so that when they went home, everyone went and basically peed blue. And that was kind of part of the art. It was part of being there that evening that it was actually extending the experience. I love artists. But it's <laughs> so what I'm saying is the idea that it's that story, it's that context, it's that feeling of that that narrative that's been created that I think is important for any art piece, whether it's photography or whether it's art. And if you like something because the story, you know, you, you like the story behind it on what it made it what it was. I know we were talking about what is the one where he's jumping over the puddle? Right, the Cartier-Bresson. Exactly. Right. And so now, like, that that obviously could be recreated a million times. You take a burst photo and one of them is going to be exactly that shot. But that is not the point. The point is that that was captured from, you know, basically a super old-fashioned camera um, that was was one shot. Okay, yes. And that was it. And he got that moment, that decisive moment, whereas now, yes, you could recreate it, but it was historically So do you think the decisive moment is gone? Like the idea of photography hoping to capture a decisive moment when we have these tools that take these bursts of images, so it's so easy to pick the one frame. I mean... 
remember we're, we're we're making up our own constraints. Yeah. Right. We talked about constraints last time, and um, maybe it just it it takes away the fun of photography if you just are burst moding everything and finding those good pictures. Clearly, an audience is going to be less wowed by an amazingly precise like thought that you captured that thing because it's so easy to capture that thing. So it's not sporting. <laughs> it's not sportsmanlike or, you know, sporting or something. I mean, we talked about in the veracity conversation that like you need to know those contexts to appreciate the picture. If you know that someone took it and it's not photoshopped, then you have like, oh, oh, or people even put no filter on their Instagram pictures because right. they're saying, in effect, no, it really, it really looked, looked like, like that. This. I didn't make it look like that. Yeah. So there also needs to be like no falsity, you right. know, that, that I, it really happened. I didn't Photoshop it. Right. And now we're saying it's like no burst mode. Right. It's like I, I really caught that. Yeah. I didn't just like shoot a video and found a good frame among the thousands that were created. Well, and also when you do burst mode or when you do like video, you're not going to get the clarity, right? You're not going to get the clearness in the picture. You like, can. Can I you think really? That, I mean, the technology is can, is really good, right? Yeah. Um, so. I yeah. guess as you're, as you're starting out, for me, it doesn't it, it doesn't take it away. If you're going to go back and do the work to find, you know, the point of your rambling of like, okay, this is actually what I meant to say up front, more power to you. So you're saying it doesn't matter. Like the, even if I use burst mode, if I did the work to go find the frame that I wanted to show. Yeah. And if, that, and you, and if you find that great moment because you were, at least in my mind, you were looking. And I think what I'm really learning about this whole, you know, through this whole podcast and everything else, it's really, it's it's learning how to learning how to look differently and actually taking the time and being patient enough to to, to, to do that, to do the art, to kind of to see things in a different way. Hmm. And so if you're willing to, you know, see things differently, be willing to take out your camera at that party and take some great photos. If you're going back and like that, there's there's a moment in there that I want to find and you find it and you're throwing away everything else. Great. I don't know. I mean... I like I, I like that pictures can stand alone without any ex- historical explanation, um, without any any technical explanation. I, I want to believe that they're real and the person caught them. And that is and it's like I like it or I don't like it. Yeah. But it is strange to me when people walk into a gallery of some kind and the feeling is I don't like that picture because I, I don't get it. I don't know why they took it. It's like it looks boring to me. Mm-hmm. I, people look at my look at black and white pictures sometimes, <laughs> sometimes all the time, yeah. and feel like, God, that would be great in color. You know, it's like, oh my, it's uh, look how pretty that that scene is. Look how it'll be so much nicer in color, hmm. which f- feels weird to me. It, no, it wouldn't be nicer in color. It would be colorful, <laughs> but it wouldn't. <laughs> like, I, I made you, it like this. Uh, I, I don't like know, it. but I guess you know the great thing about photography and art in general is everyone's got their their own taste and you want your photography to, but, but if we're doing pictures that we want other people to appreciate, um, which seems to be a big component of what we're doing when we take pictures, not all just, I, I love it. So mm-hmm. that's all that matters. There's yeah. often that feeling of, uh, you know, I, I like it to be liked. Um, so you do want to be putting out pictures that stand without the context, without having to say, Oh no, no, no. I had to climb a mountain to get that shot or mm-hmm. like, like lots of explanation but I'm okay with that. Are like, you? I'm I'm okay with photographs being a conversation starter. Mm. I'm I'm okay with 
seeing something that I also like abstract art. So I, I so what do like, you know? <laughs> and what do I know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, as frustrating as it is, I know I've talked about like Hei Kong Lee, the choreographer. And um, it's frustrating where I just wanted to know what she was thinking. I wanted to know her, you know, the catalyst for her work. And that's how I'm like, oh, but I just want to make sure I'm appreciating it correctly. And she would always say, it doesn't matter. It's what does it make you feel? Right. And that's that's correct. Um, even though I found that frustrating, but at the same time kind of freeing, I, I am okay with looking at something and being like, that's a really cool image. Hmm. What the fuck is it? Yeah. And then having the person say, oh, you wouldn't believe it. I had to climb this mountain and I fell and this is actually, the you know, one shot, the one shot, yeah, exactly. Right. Like as I was falling, I took that picture <laughs> accidentally, but it's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Exactly. And so I, I feel like it can, it can be okay. Like the image itself can stand on its own in an interesting way. And it becomes richer when you know the context of the story. I don't need, I don't, I don't feel like I need to see something and fully understand it. I, I guess my only sense of that would be I'd want it to work without the context, and then I want it to become richer with the context, as opposed to I don't like it without the context, and now that I ha understand this explanation, I like it more. Uh, you know, you actually, like, I, I, it's like I feel like you saying no, that. That's not right either. <laughs> I don't even agree with that guy. I take that, that guy back. who just said that. I don't agree with him. <laughs> Get so, out. Hit the I, bricks. Sometimes I need to say it just to decide whether I. It's like trying on a suit. I do that too. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, what? I just said that. Uh, I don't agree with that. Well, I mean, it is nice when a photograph stands on its own. I really, I will stand on that part. Yeah. But it's a different kind of pleasure to. Um, slowly come to appreciate something that you didn't appreciate at first. It's like it's different, right? It's different. Do you have any photographs that you feel that way about, that you, at first, you didn't really like it, and now you've really grown to love it? Yeah, I think um, I think there's a picture, another cortege called uh, Mondrian's Pipe and Glasses. So the he was uh, cortege was friends with the painter Piet Mondrian, mm -hmm. and I guess they would go hang out at his house. And Mondrian, who does these very rectilinear, right. co bright color things, there's this portrait. I mean, all the pictures I think Cortez took at his home are, are some of my favorites. But there's a photograph of just his pipe and a couple pairs of glasses sitting on a table, mm -hmm. and his glasses are round, and the <laughs> pipe is kind of round, and the shapes are interesting and knowing who it's a portrait of yeah is important and cuz it changes the way you feel about it and over time like at first i never thought much of it but as i've stared at it it's one of those things that over many many years decades of like looking at this photograph i love this photograph now right. and it's and maybe it's something that if i'd taken it i might have rejected it right um are there any photographs that you feel as, as you've been exposed to them over the years, whether they're the, you know, the photographs that you kind of grew up with, mm -hmm. um, the Jerry Osman ones, or even photographs that you have in the collection or that you've seen that have changed the way that you even take photographs or that you look at photographs. Like now, for example, the, the Mondrian's pipe and glasses, you were giving me an example about photography um, <laughs> a few weeks ago now, but you, you were using glasses on a board to talk about composition as an example. And I couldn't help making that connection of, that's yes. the first thing you picked up. When I see glasses sitting on a table, I think of it in terms of that picture. Yeah. I also think there's a portrait, um, the photographer Alma Lavinson, okay. who uh, was in the F64 group, and a contemporary of Ansel Adams and Ed Weston mm -hmm. and Imogene Cunningham. Alma Lavinson is not as well known. Her work is fantastic. 
And there's a photograph she did called that's just self-portrait, and it's her hands kind of cradling her camera. And I, I can't look at hands without seeing that photograph in my head. And I think at first it didn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of a picture of someone's hands in an old-fashioned camera. But, and it wasn't like a model's hands. It wasn't sort of saccharine hands. It just was her hands holding her lens, but delicately, like carefully, because it's this tool. And that is a picture that has colored the way I shoot hands and think about hands. So yeah, I would say totally. There's a number of pictures. The the, uh, Arnold Newman of Igor Stravinsky really allowed me to both accept cropping if I had to, mm-hmm. which I was trying not to do, but but more importantly, that he shoves the subject way off to the edge of the frame. And I yeah. thought it was like that first moment of feeling like, you know what, whatever, like that's a beautiful composition and the subject's way over there and it's okay. It like gave me permission to do stuff like that. So yeah, I think this is one of the great things about looking at old photographs. If we can get past the context. Like, you don't need to know that's Igor Stravinsky. You don't need to know that's Alma Lavinson. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know this is the pi- Piet Mondrian's pipe and glasses. They're just three photographs. And in each case, sitting with it for a long time can start to affect you. And it'll. It, I think it will change the way you take pictures. And my whole argument at Neo Modern is you don't really need to take a class in photography, but you should look at pictures that people have printed carefully, not just Instagram photos, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, but classic photographs and try to understand, out, again, outside of their historical context, why they're loved, why they're so good, why do people continue to look at them after 50, 60 years, you know? So, uh, yeah, like I'll post that. those pictures and, and uh, you guys can look at them and see if it affects the way you take pictures of hands or glasses. <laughs> I, I, I love that idea. Well, and then you said next week we will be uh, looking at the, just as a reminder to everyone, if mm. they haven't done any texture photos yes. or if they haven't done any filter photos, we'll actually go ahead and look at those two um, those two samples of works. That's good. And then we'll come up with another. We'll, we'll drill. We'll have a show where we kind of go through everybody's stuff. I love it. All right. Thank you. Let's wrap it up. Um, our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes and see photos and post your own comments. And please leave reviews and ratings on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe. We get new listeners uh, from you telling your friends and spreading the word. So if you know someone who might get something out of this, please send them the link. Thank you to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music and all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time.